0: Dude, that first $8 felt so good. I got the strike (laughs) notification and I ran into the bedroom and I woke up my fiance and I was like, man, we just made internet money. This is so cool. Hello, and welcome back to Indie Bytes, the podcast where I bring you stories
1: of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today, I'm joined by Kenneth Castle, the founder of Slip.so, a course platform making it easy for developers to make high quality interactive courses. He got inspiration for Slip when he built vim.so, a course that made 10k in just one month. That was his first internet money. But it's not always been plain sailing for Kenneth, as he struggled with failing his way to eventual success with four years building products with no revenue. Now with Slip, he's quit his job, been accepted into YC, and gets to build a company he's always wanted to have. How can Kenneth and other indie hackers keep track of how their multiple projects are performing? Well, before they'd have to set up and dig through unnecessarily complex Google Analytics dashboards. But now with Fathom, we can use fast, simple analytics. Fathom gives you simple website analytics that are easy to understand and respectful of privacy laws, unlike our Google overlords who profit from your data. They are also a bootstrap transparent and sustainable business, so I love supporting them. We are used to getting analytics for free, so it might feel a bit strange paying at first, but once you realize the true cost of free Google software, and most importantly, see how awesome Fathom is, you'll never look back. You can install the lightweight code in as many websites or projects as you like, getting a 30,000 foot view of the performance of all your sites. Head to usefathom.com slash bytes or hit the link in the show notes to give it a go. There's also a 30-minute extended conversation available on the Indie Bytes membership for £4 a month. Link in the show notes or bytes.fm slash membership. Kenneth, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, James? I'm very good. So let, let's go back a little bit. I was going through your Twitter and I saw a tweet about how a Raspberry Pi changed your life. Mm. Tell me why you bought this Raspberry Pi and what impact it had for you.
0: Yeah, that's right. I guess I would say I'm a non-traditional software engineer. So before software, my last career, I did maintenance for a gas station called Quick Trip. So I spent six years there just building and servicing gas stations, fixing HVAC units and doing plumbing, fixing hot dog grills. And I'd always been doing these do-it-yourself projects. And I would hang out on Reddit on the DIY subreddit. And I saw people building these cool kegerators and people were using Raspberry Pi, so I bought one. And I didn't know anything about programming. It got to my door, opened it up, and I was like, all right, now what do I do? And I've always <laughs> been the person that's just do it and figure it yeah. out on the way. And, uh, so I started learning Python. That was the first step in. a couple things and before i knew it i was like in love with programming and i never uh, even built the writer. so i like to tell people like i got distracted with that project and (laughs) got a job as a software engineer instead
1: tell me about the few years after that
0: i've always kind of been interested in entrepreneurship my dad has his own service business he's an electrician and there's lots of people in the family that have done their own thing And I kind of always felt like I'm not the type of person to like really just like be a regular employee and like not be able to like participate the upside. And right after finding programming, I pretty much stumbled upon indie hackers, probably through Reddit. And I, I got really into the idea of like, man, like this skill that I'm learning outside of my job could help me make money. And so Right away, I started building these kind of like SaaS type tools for my dad's service business. So first real project I ever built, the value was a tool that would scrape permit listings. So my dad was doing this manually and he would spend four or five hours a week just going and clicking through. And so I built some automation script with Python that would automatically go and scrape the stuff and build this email list for my dad. And it would save him four or five hours a week. And so I started building SaaS products around that space.
1: Did you make much money from them? And how long were you building those for? Mm.
0: I think I made a hundred bucks over four years or something.
1: Um, you were working a day job at this point,
0: right? Yeah. So during that time, I was like working a variety of day jobs. For the first couple of years I was programming, I was still working that maintenance job. I ended up going back to school part-time for computer science and uh, got into this programming club started like that's kind of like we everyone in that club was doing the indie hacker thing building projects and stuff and ultimately i ended up getting a job before i got my degree i got a job as a software engineer so i quit my job as a maintenance person Mm. and i started working full-time as a software engineer and during that time i kept building these side projects
1: did, did you ever feel demotivated when you were building all these side projects and none of them were quite taken off how you wanted them to?
0: Yeah, and sometimes it would feel like, oh man, like that. I guess that was a dumb idea. Let me build something new. But like there was times where I took a couple month break from doing side projects and stuff. But really, I never got too demotivated. I don't know. I just felt like if I kept building stuff, eventually something would work. And it, it certainly didn't. I think it, we discussed a turning point in, in your
1: life certainly was when you joined Twitter in October 2020 and you've got really good at Twitter going from zero to 15k in just a, a few years. Why at that point did you join Twitter and what did you start doing straight away that meant you started getting followers and building this audience?
0: Yeah, so it's funny. I always tell my fiance and people Twitter is the best thing I ever did for my career, which sounds so like ridiculous to say. I pretty much started the whole building public thing there. Yeah. It just felt natural to share these tidbits of information. So actually right before Twitter, started trying to do youtube and it was very high effort it <laughs> took a ton of time and the feedback loop is long but i felt like twitter just worked with my lifestyle where i could just go pop a thought in whenever i felt and it was always easy to share this stuff because i'm a fairly transparent person in general
1: and so you, one, one of the early projects you built uh, in public on twitter was deliberate talk me about deliberate and building that and why you eventually stopped that and built them instead
0: yeah for the sure so Deliberate was this idea where you could learn Python fundamentals really deep in the browser. So it was fun to build and it was what led to Vim. The issue was I spent about three months building that and then I launched it and I got about a hundred users in the first couple of days and it was really cool, but there wasn't much content on there. And I felt like I was going to have to build a very large amount of content to be able to charge for it. And at that same time, I saw Damon from Testimonial, hmm. Damon Chen. He had done a similar thing where he had spent months building another project and he forked the project and built something else called testimonial. And he made three grand <laughs> and I was, like, maybe I could do this something similar to this Python thing. Maybe I can pare down the scope and pick a smaller subject and sell it for one time sale. And so that's where I got the idea to do Vim.
1: So tell me through Vim, why you started it, how you built it, and then how you started getting the, the first few customers from it.
0: Yeah. Teaching Vim in the browser would be a good topic because Lots of folks have difficulty learning Vim. It's a very high learning curve, and it's a very interactive thing to learn. And so I just thought, what if there's a practice area where you could practice some of these core skills very easily. And then after you're done with the course, you could actually be confident moving around in the Vim editor. And so I had learned Vim, but it took me about a year to really feel comfortable with it. I was using it inside of VS Code. And I thought, yeah, I can use some of the stuff I built for deliberate to build a vim course so i literally just copy pasted most of the code and then i adapted it to be able to teach vim and i made i think two or three lessons right off the bat and that whole process only took me i think two or three days it was very short amount of time and my whole goal was get the minimal set of stuff done where i can actually make some money with this so i thought i'll release the first three lessons and i'll see if anyone buys it I launched it on Twitter and ended up selling a little more than 20 copies the first day. I think I made 200 bucks. And dude, that first $8 felt so good. I got the (laughs) Stripe notification and I ran into the bedroom and I woke up my fiance and I was like, man, we just made internet money. This is so cool. (laughs) And the notifications kept coming in and dude, it just kind of snowballed from there. So I used those early customers as testimonials. I put them on the site. I improved the landing page. I built out the rest of the lessons. And then I launched on Hacker News and Product Hunt that same month. And it did really well on both. I got number one on Hacker News and I made, I think, (laughs) two grand that day. And it was just, that was such a wild day.
1: It's good to see it, like going from working so hard for so long and you get an instant validation from Twitter, but you'd also worked the past few weeks before that or a few months before that to build that little bit of a Twitter audience that you had. Let's talk about Slip then. It it was inspired by Vim, I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. because you built your own course platform for them, for people to do it. It wasn't an off the shelf thing. And um, so you, what inspired you to, to go ahead and make slip?
0: Yeah, a couple things. So one was I made that $11,000 in the first month with them. But it only took a few days to make the content, but it took multiple months to build the platform. So I thought, why aren't there more (laughs) interactive courses? Maybe it's because it takes a long time to put together a platform to deliver the content. And maybe there's other people who could build something in a week if it was easier and make $10,000 or more. And then also I did validation. Like I put a landing page up and... I said, Hey, what if you could build your own interactive programming courses easy? And I, I put that out and I think I got like 800 signups in about a week. So I started building like, like a very, very MVP, like it was very bad. And I just got it to working state and put it out there. And- People started using it. I, I guess the other part of the story is that after I launched Vim, people also started asking for other interactive courses. My first thought was, yeah, I'll just make 15 of these courses and I'll just quit my job and I'll just be a full-time mm. course creator. But quickly, I thought that I realized a problem was actually much larger than something that I could personally build all these courses for.
1: And how, how did you start to get your first customers for it? What, what's your payment model for Slip? And then like the final prong of that question is, it's it's not like a, a regular SaaS where people can just buy it and then they have the product. They've actually got to go away and make a course in order to, to use the product. And how do you capture someone at that point where they're ready to go ahead and build something and Slip is for them?
0: We're still learning, but the model today is we take 10% of sales. But yeah, I think that it's different from a regular SaaS in that You only get paid when you help deliver value, which I think is a good thing for us. I think it might mean we grow a little bit slower at the beginning revenue-wise, but I think long-term it's a a really good strategy for making sure you're building something that your users actually want. And as far as how do we get people to publish a course, we're still learning. So I think there's lots of low-hanging fruit we can do One thing that we recently finished was uh, a feature where you can publish a free tutorial first and start gathering Mm. emails and stuff. So if you're a developer without an audience, maybe you can build some tutorials around a specific niche and build your audience. And then when you're ready to launch a course, you have this active and captive audience. I'm interested then, right at the very start when you launched how are you getting
1: people to make courses and, and post them on there
0: i just tweeted about it i just literally just tweeted about it we built the email list and there was a handful of people that were really cool diehard early supporters so a couple of folks katherine peterson made this course teaching people regular expressions and she made like 200 bucks with it and she was the first author to really make some money And it was just so exciting because she spent the whole weekend building the course. She was very self-motivated and you kind of, we just had those early adopters. So her and this other guy, Jonathan Speak, he built a course on JavaScript array methods. And both of them were such a huge influence and really proved out, hey, if we build something, people will even go through my very janky developer course builder to build something just because it's a better experience than the alternative building your own thing. So yeah, those two are the really big first creators. They use the earliest very bad version and I'm super thankful. So how's, how's
1: Slip doing now? We'll get on to YC and what you're doing with it, but mm. did, did revenue go quickly? Are you earning a, a bunch of money from it? Are you, Creators and authors earning loads of money from the
0: platform. So, spent the first half of YC building out the project on my own, and then I hired my first engineer halfway through YC. So, yeah, we're doing good. Last month, we did sixty-five hundred dollars, I think, in GMV. So, that's the total amount of courses sold on the platform, and that was across I think five titles. So, a couple of folks have made three grand on the platform, which is really cool. And almost everyone who's published a course has made at least a thousand. I think the lowest is 900 something. So, it's doing pretty good. We obviously take a percent of that revenue so the revenue isn't huge for us but it's cool that it's growing in the right direction and it's it's not all, all
1: sunshine and rainbows it's not a
0: linear path to success
1: there's ups and downs that you have in the indie hacker sometimes you have imposter syndrome sometimes you're feeling tired and burnt out especially when you're building stuff with a full-time job and you just you can't keep doing the the late night so how, how have you been dealing with that over the past couple of years
0: Yeah, I would say first off, I have the best support system of all time. My fiance is so great. She takes care of the kids. And in general, when I had a job, I would just pick a schedule that would work where I would still have enough time to like hang out with my family and stuff like that. So I I was doing the whole wake up at 4 a.m. thing. But (laughs) my fiance at the time, she was also waking up at that time for her job. So I would just get a couple hours real quick in before I had to take the kids to school. And yeah, that was exhausting for sure. But I think a lot of times in life sometimes you just have to grind through a part that's hard to get the next easier step. And I think that's fine to do that for a short period. While I was building side projects over the course of four years, most of the time it was not that. But when I was building VIM and SLIP, I was very serious about my side projects. So it was pretty, pretty intense. And I don't know how much longer I would have been able to go and doing that until I quit my job so I feel very fortunate that like I was able to quit my job when I did because that's definitely not sustainable long term
1: and how's it been for you the past few months being able to work on your own side projects full-time they're no longer side projects there's a little bit more pressure on you because the because of the funding but is it as enjoyable as you thought it was going to be
0: yeah, it's incredible. It feels amazing just getting to work on something that I'm passionate about, that I'm excited to work on. One of the reasons I've always wanted to build a company is just to build a better place for people to work. And so far, like I think I've done a pretty good job of that. So we're only two people now, so it's, we'll see how it expands, but I, I really try and intentionally build a place that engineers love. So we work really autonomously. We have good benefits and stuff, and it's been really fulfilling getting to see someone else work on this thing that I started.
1: Yeah, it's lovely to see and I completely resonate and understand with you wanting to build a nice place to work, especially if you've worked at a place where it's stressful and tough (laughs) and they, they tie you down to a desk from nine to five. It's not an environment that really fosters any creativity or productivity. Kenneth I end every episode on three recommendations a book a podcast and an indie hacker or entrepreneur that you've been inspired by or people should follow
0: a book is hell yeah or no by Derek Sivers a podcast my first million it's really mm. cool it's an entrepreneurship podcast really great and then an indie hacker I suggest people follow is the builder JR he's the founder of flirt he's pretty under the radar but I really enjoy the stuff that he's building
1: Well, Kenneth, those are fantastic recommendations. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, James. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites with Kenneth Castle. I hope you've come away feeling inspired by his story. Thank you again to Fathom for sponsoring the pod. It really is a fantastic tool that I use every day. Finally, if you want to hear more from Kenneth, you can get the 30-minute extended conversation on the Indie Bites membership, and I'll see you in the next episode.